Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. We're your host, Chad Broussard. And I'm Peter Coulter. And today we're going to be talking to you about ideal conditions for the city, the region, and the venue. Yes, pretty important stuff. Uh, I actually find this kind of interesting to think about. It is, I'll admit right up front here, it is something that I have a lot of... uh, there's a lot of unknown territory here for me, and I'm quite interested in hearing from you folks out there if you have any information to fill me in with. Uh, I haven't done too much touring as a solo cover act, really. I've played in some other cities, but the um, for the most part, I've kind of just been in this one area, and it's been great, great for me. Um, I mean, not from the start. There was a lot of learning that had to be done it to become great but this area has really treated me well in the last year or, or so um i'm in southwest florida by the way fort myers cape coral naples mostly naples these days naples florida um but today we're talking about ideal conditions and i can really tell you mostly about this situation um tell you the things that i've identified as the key factors that make this area particularly good for for bar musicians. Um, one, the first bullet point I've got here is tourist areas, and uh, it says it says coastal towns, but I'm not sure that coastal is important. Just a tourist area really would do it. Any anywhere where there's a a big influx of people at a certain time of year, that makes demand for things like this and you know tourists who are expecting to be entertained in bars and restaurants specifically that makes the demand for this type of thing swell up at a certain time of year and so so that even when it's off season when it's when the tourists aren't in town there's still this sense that oh there's an imminent swelling of demand for musicians so i better try to hang on to them there's a certain kind of mood that comes that comes with being a tourist in a place like that where, oh, you need me, um, you know, to an extent. And, and that's a thing that I know a lot of musicians, especially if you're doing strictly original stuff, they don't feel that. <laughs> they don't feel needed. And they're, frankly, they're not unless they have something valuable, which is generally a really good following or a valuable set of skills that will, you know. Anyway. All right. So ideal conditions, tourist areas. Swelling demand, all that stuff. Uh, another bullet point I've got here is a place where there are a lot of competing restaurants. Obviously, this makes some sense. So restaurants are a primary venue um, for for this type of work, for bar work. Um, it's really the first place you're going to start, restaurants and bars. Um, there's, there's another thing I'd add here. Um, aside from just competing restaurants, which is, by the way, pretty closely related with with tourist areas. If you got a lot of people kind of flocking to a place, there's going to be a lot of demand for restaurants, you know, for entertainment. Um, and thus a lot of competition for that business. If there's a lot of business, there's going to be a lot of businesses trying to fill that need. And there are in this area, there are tons of restaurants and bars and they're all competing with each other and having live music, good live music at a place regularly sets you apart in a, in a really competitive market. And it's worth the money to, to restaurants if they, if they know what they're doing and their clientele would respond to that. Absolutely. Um, even if their clientele wouldn't respond to that, 
if they suspect their clientele might, they'll give it a shot and they should give it a shot for a couple months to see if it'll work. Um, now they should, but they don't always, they don't always. I've had, I've had lots of venues hire me, not really understanding what it is. I do mm-hmm. not understanding what the, what the value is. And you know, frankly, it takes two my inability to really articulate what the value would be to them and how it works at that time in my career. I could do it now. Um, the value being you're playing for people who are going to stay a little longer, drink a couple more drinks, eat another appetizer, and or tell their friends all about how their live music here is cool. Oh, we can go to this one Italian restaurant or this other Italian restaurant down the road. Had this guitarist there who was just sick and funny and he made the time so much fun. They don't talk like that. These are boomers in my area mostly, so they don't say this dude was sick. But they say that essentially to their friends and then their friends go and then their friends go and like it and they say the same thing and it builds like that. It's not I'm bringing a following to your Italian restaurant, dude. Sorry, that's just ridiculous. But that doesn't mean you couldn't build one over time there. That's exactly right. You build a following with the clientele that are there. But you Um, have to be able to convey that. Yeah, man, I'm I'm a 31-year-old guy who doesn't drink. My friends aren't, like, I don't have a large group of friends who are going to come with me to an Italian restaurant to watch me play covers mm-hmm. in a bar. That's just not what this is about. Anyway, so we're, we're off topic a little bit here, but competing restaurants, uh, competing venues. I would add another thing to this list is lots of country clubs kind of related to this. Uh, that's one great thing about this area is there are just tons of country clubs, and they pay pretty well. They're oftentimes looking for entertainment and... Uh, they can pay pretty well. They they're kind of one of those things where it's it's almost like working with a government. Not one. Well, I don't work with the government very much, but but just the way it's the way it's kind of set up yeah. where it's not really the booker's money. When you work at a restaurant, a lot of times you're talking directly to a manager or owner who's just like, I'm looking at the numbers. I know exactly what this place can take, and it can't take three hundred bucks right now every Saturday or you know or whatever. Um, that's not the case in country clubs. So that's what's kind of cool about them is you can you can generally get a higher rate out of them. Would it be safe to say because it's a country club that maybe most musicians wouldn't even think to go there? So you I might didn't have think a better about chance for, of securing a gig that way? Yeah, I didn't think about it for Less a long competition time. competition for musicians. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a secret, so don't tell anybody. But Planet <laughs> heard it here first. Yeah, Planet Country Clubs uh, is, it's, I'm not going to say it's like untapped. I mean, there are musicians who do it, definitely, but. The, the it's competition, not it's, not, it's not as fierce, for sure. I have I've country clubs call me all the time. Um, not all the time, but you know, every other month or so, I hear from a country club that's like, "Hey, uh, looking for a musician. Heard you at a and and this is kind of a this is where momentum comes into play and where oh, wow. I, I I want you to not give up in the beginning when you have one gig for a year or two gigs for a year. I mean, not a year, but when you have when it feels like you're not building your schedule. Excuse me, when it feels like it's not building, stick with it because a lot of this is momentum. I've got more work than I need now. And it's because I've been in these gigs for so long and people see me out. That's really one of the best ways to market yourself is people see you out there and they're like, I work for a country club. I'm taking your business card. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, back to the to the main thread here. Ideal conditions for the city, region and venue. Competing restaurants and lots of country clubs are a good a good bullet point for this. This I'm actually not 100% sure of anymore, this bullet point. It's it's like non-Mecca music loca- locations, which I I'm, I'm just want to put a little pin in this because I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure about this. I think that there are lots of musicians who do make a, a good living in like Nashville um, or New Orleans. I have friends in New Orleans and I will 
I will grill them a little bit and might make some some future changes to this as I do more research. But they make a living there, and uh, they don't. It doesn't strike me as a situation where they do as well as I do. And a lot of times these guys are in bands. It's not like a. You go to New Orleans, and they don't want necessarily a guy playing acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. I, maybe they do, but. They want a jazz band or a funk mm-hmm. band or something for the most part. There's they, too many like, musicians there. World there's, class, world man, trained. That's right. You you walk you walk down the street in New Orleans and the guy in the corner is would be the best guy in Fort Myers mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. Um anyway, so so I would, you know, especially if you're kind of like average. There there are places in there are places in this country, I know, because I live in one, where an average musician, I mean above average if you include like all absolute beginners, but like a person who considers themselves a musician take the average of that those people can make a good living doing this in this area and there are lots of places in the country i believe like that i don't think nashville is one of them i don't think you can be like kind of good and make a great li- i mean well I, I will touch on the new orleans i don't thing. want to tell you no but just because it doesn't work in the city of new orleans doesn't mean it doesn't work in the suburbs of new orleans that's another point for sure these suburbs are a lot more like these uh these other areas not that they're tourist areas necessarily but They've got a lot of competing restaurants. They got a big population who goes out to eat. Yep. You know, so they've got a lot of competing restaurants. There are country clubs out there. Suburbs, I think, is kind of the key to the to the big cities. And if they you usually wanna... have the clusters of restaurants, right? Like yeah, right. Have right. Like like the city centers, strip, strip areas, right? Yeah, city yeah. centers. Yeah, um, yeah, like a suburb, a suburban city center. Like they're their own cities. People a lot of times don't leave those suburbs very much. Yeah, no. You know, people so, don't like to drink and drive long uh, distances. I'll put it and I'll put it this way too. So I have worked in Atlanta very briefly. I did one gig in Atlanta, so don't, don't, you know, full disclosure. I've got a buddy who used to do this work down here. Uh, he's a really great guy. Um, I'm going to mention his name. I'm not sure. This is my first time actually mentioning somebody's name, but Keith Klug is the guy's name. K e e f e. Uh, K-L-U-G. Let's give it up for Keith. Yeah, Keith's, Keith's great. I love him. And he's he's one of the better guys that was down in this area. And uh, his wife got a job in Atlanta, and they moved to Atlanta. And I was really, because I'm planning on moving to Atlanta myself, I was really keeping an eye on, on that. And I'm like, ooh, what's Atlanta like for guys like us up there? And I, I've been speaking to him, and he's he's like just a great guy. He uh, showed me around what, what last time I was there, and put me up on a gig and we split the gig. It was, he's just like a really great, great dude. Uh, check him out. We'll tag his Instagram in here. Follow him around, especially if you're in Atlanta. Um, anyway, he does basically what I do at the level I do. He's really great. And of course I think I am really great as well. <laughs> um, and so I was really curious how his, how his career was going to go up there. And he kind of like immediately met a booking agent, which I don't personally don't use for my thing, but the way Keith is using it, I think is really good where you basically have a guy who just books your whole week up for you. Um, it is a little bit of one point of failure. I think if something goes really wrong with the booking agent, you're kind of like toast, I, I guess. Um, but he got up there and like quickly met, met the right guy. And just by being social and being cool and being friendly. And the guy put him on a bunch of gigs and he's got a weekly schedule now, like pretty quickly after moving to a big city. And I'll tell you this about the gig that I split with him. It was in a suburb. It was like 40 minutes drive from the center 30 minute drive from the center there's traffic um and it was a fucking packed event at a bar in a in a suburb city center like you were talking about mm-hmm. um and there was a base pay you know it was like a real base pay just like down here and the tips were great and honest honestly the audience was way better than most audiences down here because they're looking for music and they're think it was like so refreshing to see young people 
in the world. Everyone down here is 75 years old. So it's, it's nice to be in a city with like a youthful energy to it. But I'll tell you what, that was a little eye-opening for me. Like I'm, I'm planning on moving there, so obviously I know it's possible or I wouldn't be just uprooting and going. But like it was really eye-opening to see, oh, there are just like, these are exactly uh, nearly identical to the gigs down in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. You just get a base pay and you get tips and you're out of there and you get free drinks if you drink or and like usually a free meal. It's like the same exact thing. It's and it's a huge city. I wouldn't call Atlanta maybe. I think Atlanta could be considered an A market if you know the terms A, B, and C markets. I'm in a C market for for like music, music, original music and the industry and stuff. Um, I think Atlanta is like a high B or maybe a low A. It's not, it's not like New York City or Nashville or no, something. But, but it's kind of like up it's there. Growing. It and could it is be growing for the future. And it is growing. It might so, be a good landing spot. So anyway, that's the that's the only like big city I've I played a paying gig in, and it went really well. And it was, you know, it was great. So I know it's, I know it's possible in big cities. And I think that is kind of the key is go for, go for suburbs. The the great thing about that is, you know, I've got a lot of friends who do this down here and think that this is like some sort of utopian oasis for cover musicians. And it's not possible to do this elsewhere. And I just think that's bullshit. Um, I mean, I kind of know it's bullshit because my buddy Keith is up in Atlanta doing it. Um, So I'm, the great thing, if you're like me, and I, I imagine many of you are, I don't, I don't know that. I, I'm, I'd be curious to see what the makeup of the crowd is. What percentage of people are just like, I am content doing just covers for the rest of my life. This is a fun job. There are, I know, I know people who are like that, but I'm curious to see how many of you are like, yeah, I'm doing covers, and I have an original career I work on, and the reason I do covers is to keep me alive and keep my bills paid, and even save for my retirement, God forbid. Um. And I also want my music career to go off at some point. That's me. That's where I'm at. So the great thing about these, the idea of playing in a big city and just like knocking these suburbs out and making two, 300 bucks plus tips in these suburbs of big cities is you, if you're an original, an original person, you are near a big song city, a big music city where like people are actively looking for original music. They're not here really. In, in large numbers. They're, they're not like trying to discover the next, oh my God, this up and coming thing out of Fort Myers. They're just, they're not. So, I mean, it's possible the internet has changed a lot of things, obviously, but it still would be good if you're trying to be an original musician to go to a real city with, where things are happening. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of one of the, one of the things, and I consider this kind of a, a little bit of a question mark on my map a bit. Um, obviously, I have some insight. I was just talking about Atlanta, but I want to hear from you, you guys. If you live in Nashville or you live in Chicago or New York or New Orleans or something, Austin, LA, um, any of these like big music cities. Um, I want to hear what it's like there. If you're doing anything like this, or if you just assumed it couldn't be done, which I would like for you to challenge if that's your assumption, or if you are doing it, or if you're not doing it, or if you're halfway doing it, or if you're just trying to do the original thing and you work in an office, like tell me what it's like being in a big city and I want to, I would love to, you just hop in on the ground floor with us. We're probably going to charge for this at some point. But if you want to chat with us and get some consulting, I'd love to just like talk with you about it. So hit us up. We'll have our email address. What is it? Peter at mercenary methods. Correct. Dot com. <laughs> Peter at mercenary methods dot com. Yeah. So we'll have all this stuff in the show notes too. So check that out. Get in touch. I want to hear about these big cities. Um, this is kind of a, you know, we're doing that, the thing, this will be a theme in our, 
um, in our episodes, we're doing the telescoping thing where we zoom in and zoom out. So this is kind of a zoom out thing for just uh, just for businesses in general. Ideally, you want to go to a place where there's low supply and high demand or some sort of tension between the supply and demand that works in your favor as the supplier, right? So you want to go, this is, this is where like drug dealing comes from. There's high demand for cocaine. There's low supply for cocaine because of government regulations mostly. And if you take drugs from a place where there's high supply and relatively moderate demand and take it to a place where there's low supply and high demand, you can market up a lot, sell it for a lot more money than you bought it for and become exorbitantly wealthy and then try to Scarface. Yeah, right. It's a, we all know it's tales old as time, everybody. We all know what it, what it low supply and high demand means. So that's what I'm talking about. Go to a place where there is low supply and high demand. And that brings me back to the non Mecca music location. Why they make me nervous is because you're surrounded by world-class musicians. So there will be, even if there is high demand, I think that Nashville is one of those places where there is high demand, but I think there's also very high supply. Um, so I'm, again, I mean, if you're, and here's here's another point. If you're fucking excellent, like if you are the top 1% of 1% at, and I'm not just talking about as a guitarist. I mean, that's great. You can be a session, session musician, fine. I'm talking about as a guitarist, as a public speaker, getting a crowd with you, as a singer, all those things combined. If you're like shining star at all that stuff and just, One of the most, maybe the most important of those three is the crowd control thing. If you are great at those, you're going to probably have work everywhere you go. I mean, it's, you know, it's like being a, you know, being really good at entertaining a crowd full of people in a bar or restaurant is like being a doctor. They're just, you're wanted everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, anywhere where there are musicians and people to be entertained pretty much or bars and people to be entertained in them, you'll have some work. Um, yeah, so go to a place where there's low supply and high demand, and I think that is kind of where I am right now. There's a huge demand. And this is where like C market comes into play. Come come into play. Not a lot of musicians want to be here for good reason. I don't want to be here. I'm about to not be here. You know, if you're in a, if you're like a musician, you don't want to be in a fucking retirement community in South Florida where, you know, you're the youngest person within a hundred miles. But that depends. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you're leaving for to better have an opportunity at. at you know, making something with your original content as opposed to being a full-time cover artist. Right. So wouldn't that be a little different if you're just trying to do make a career out of being a cover artist? Yeah, I think it is different. If you're just trying to make a career out of being a cover artist, come to Fort Myers so right now. Come to Naples. So would it be safe I mean. to say that C markets might be more appealing for they aspiring might, cover artists? They might be, sure. But uh, I, I want to talk, so so talk to both. I want to talk to both of you, of you guys. Um, the people who are like, yes, I want to be a cover musician and make a hundred grand a year just playing cover songs four days a week. That sounds great to me. That is doable. Come to Naples, I think. Um, at least Naples is the one I know most about. I can help you the most with. I could, you know, I could probably hook you up with the gigs down here if you, if you come to Naples. Where uh, that brings me to an interesting idea: starting a little booking agency. Um, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Things in the works. Um. So yeah, if you want to just be a cover musician, Naples is a great place to do it. I think sea markets with a lot of tourist activity are a great place to do it. Places where, you know, where, where boomers are touristing, touring, touristing, um, you know, places that you're not going to get discovered. Not that, 
hate to use that word. Not that like being discovered is the way you should push your original music career either. Topic for a different day, but you're not going to like run into the right people. You're not going to make the right connections. The right audience is likely not here for your metal band or whatever. You know, like if you're if you're trying to do an original career thing, you're not trying to do it for boomers. Boomers aren't looking for new music. They want to hear Tom Petty. Um, so yeah, if you want to do just this, um, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's a fucking better than working in a bank, better than being a lawyer. I make like, like this year, it looks like for the first time, I'm, I don't want to sugarcoat this last five years have not been this good, especially 2020, obviously with COVID. Um, but this year has been, no, like it's like lawyer money. I'm making better money than than beginning lawyers, and I don't have to go to law school, and I don't have to take on all that debt, and I don't have to do something I fucking hate, you know. I and I don't have to do it six days a week for 14 hours a day. I do it four days a week, probably averaging maybe eight hours a day or something. Two of my days are like 14 hour days, Saturday and Sunday, but Thursday through Sunday is my work week, and I'm making like good money this year. Um. So anyway, yeah, if you're trying to do this full time, I'd come here <laughs> or a place like this. And I'd, I'd like to, as we move on through this podcast, I would like to compile a list of cities like this, mm-hmm. cities where the cities that are ideal. And, and we'll do that. It'll, that'll be a that'll be a, a project we'll work on for you guys. Something that is a list of like, here are the best cities we've found for this particular thing in order. And Naples is going to be near the top, I, I got to say. Yeah, essentially any coastal town in Florida is going to cut it. Pretty much, yeah. Every coastal town in Florida, for the most part. I don't. And again, you know, we're talking about maybe maybe Miami is a little different. Although I've got a booking agent who has reached out to me and is trying to book me in Miami. You know, they're three hundred bucks for four hour gigs, um, and he's taking a cut, so they're probably three fifty for four hour gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville might be the the hardest markets in Florida. But aside from that, I don't think pro- it'd be too different. Probably. Maybe Orlando too. But I mean, all those places, again, it would be high demand, high supply would be the issue. It wouldn't be low demand. It'd be high demand for musicians and high supply because those places are cooler and more attractive to musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this though, man, even those places, I, I and I I think maybe is this less the case in Nashville because Nashville is pretty fucking Disney-fied. But I think that a lot of these musicians who are attracted to these places like if you go to Atlanta, as far as like a music city, it's a lot of like metal people and it's a lot of like rap people and they're not fucking doing these gigs in bars. You know, they're not probably able to for the most part. They don't want hip hop or metal in a bar. They want cover songs on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, you know, so. what they consider a human jukebox, which uh, we intend yeah, to change. Maybe. Yeah. Something like, I mean, they want you to take requests. That's absolutely certain. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I think we've tangented enough on low supply, high demand, haven't we? Sounds good. What about uh, traveling musician? Okay, this I've never done. This is just an idea. Um, like a traveling nurse. Sort of, yeah. I would say I, I'm actually, I, this is part of my strategy moving forward, I think. This, the bullet point says, just so you're all aware, seasonal traveling musician. It's like a snow musician. Like a snow musician, a snowbird, as we call them. People who live down here from like December through April and then live up north for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking about doing this for the first year or two that I moved to Atlanta, uh, spend the summertime, you know, four to six months in Atlanta, playing gigs, making connections, hanging out, and then come down here for winter for six months, you know, December through May, I guess. I, I know that's not all winter, of course, winter's three months. Um, 
but you know, come down here for the season and make that money while it's really here and then go back to Atlanta in the summertime. That's kind of, it's an idea I'm playing with. Uh, I know that it's possible. I think it could be cool if you don't have any other commitments or if you um, are, I don't know, with a partner who's like flexible that way, that could be really fun. Or if you're single, obviously, and not in like a band or something, um, you know, it, this would take a kind of a, a person with a flexible partner, like I have a, a very flexible partner, or it would take a person with no other commitments to kind of do this, I think. Um, but it's doable, and it sounds kind of like a cool idea to me. I, I know waiters that do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've met waiters and bartenders that do it. They come down to Florida, and they work December through May, and then they go to Lake Steve of the Resorts. Ozarks for the summertime, and they take a month off in between each, or a month and a half off in between each, and it's just like pretty relaxed lifestyle. I mean, it's intense. Waiting tables during season here can be intense, but, you know, <clears throat> it's a cool way to do it. And I, I mean, I know... I met like a 50-something-year-old waiter at one of my seasonal waiter jobs when I was younger. And uh, this guy seemed like dumb as a box of rocks. And in some ways, he kind of was. I mean, we talked earlier about like different types of intelligence. But this guy was like a dullard. He was like not fun to talk to. He just seemed so slow and dumb kind of to talk to. But he was sharp in some ways. And he had been doing this seasonal waiter thing for like... 20 years he owned a house in Lake of the Ozarks he owned a house down here and he had him like kind of like seasonally rented and I mean the dude was probably worth a half a million bucks as a waiter you know it's like not every waiter you know is worth half a million bucks and he just did some business up there when the season was high and some business down here when the season's high and was just a boring guy in between (laughs) you know he just had an interesting interesting business mind and went for it and did it you know and uh, that can work uh, all right, so we're getting down. We did a lot of stuff on the city and region here, so we're going to talk a little bit more about specifically the about the venue, <laughs> which we could really do a whole separate episode about the venue, mm-hmm. couldn't we? But we'll just briefly touch on it, and then we'll dig into it maybe later. Uh, we'll probably dig into both of these, city, region, as its own kind of topic, and then venue as its own kind of topic later, and we'll just really get down into it real dirty. Um, I'd say the first thing you were looking for in a venue other than obviously for it to be located in one of the regions or cities that we kind of talked about would be uh, the person you're booking with or manager really first of all being kind of easy to work with and also quote unquote getting it. Um, Now there's uh, something to be said for like explaining it to a manager so that they get it more. You should do that to an extent, but I mean, ideally a manager or a, or a owner of a place calls you up and is like, Hey man, uh, you're a great musician. I've seen you. You're the best in town or whatever. You know, if, if you're not getting the gig that way, however they found you, Hey, I found your number here. Uh, we've got a bar and, uh, we pay 300 bucks for three hours or four hours, maybe, um, or two fifty. I mean, they're going to offer you, they, they might offer you less, but we're talking about the ideal situation here. When we come in with a fair rate, Hey, it's 300 bucks for three hours. Um, we'll, we'll feed you a meal. The crowd here is great. They love musicians. Um, and I heard you're really good. Come in. That would be ideal. That's pretty rare, but it happens. Uh, honestly, it happens with country clubs more often than anything else. A country club person will, and this is usually, again, the referral will, will matter here. If you're just pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, you won't be getting referrals like, Hey, I heard you at a venue, obviously. But, uh, 
hey, I heard your demo, or thanks for reaching out. We are looking for musicians, might be the way that they refer to your referral. <laughs> um, and I, I love your style. You'd fit perfectly here. We pay 100 bucks an hour, and we feed you. How's that? Like, that would be kind of ideal. Um, yeah, so a manager or a booking agent that, like, gets it, that understands that you're not going to bring a crowd to their bar. That's not what you are. You're a cover musician. You play for the people who are there. Okay, you you advertise it on your, on your thing, you know, on your Instagram and your Facebook and all that. You put your schedule out there so people who do follow you can follow you. Yeah. But you're not going to bring a crowd of 12 people everywhere you go. Um, well, you, what especially you, when you're doing it seven times a week, you know. It'd be ideal, like you said, having the manager say, like, this is, there's a good crowd already here. There's a good crowd already here. Or even, like, That's a green there's flag. a small group of regular, even, like, if they let you know that they understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah. There's a small group of regulars here who have been asking for live music, maybe even. Or whatever, you know. A lot of times the best ones are you're replacing a guy that's on our roster um, because they do it. They know what the fuck is going on. Uh, oftentimes, the only kind of downside of those is they have kind of fixed rates a lot of times. They, like, know what people mm-hmm. – they book musicians seven times a week, and they know what the rate can be when they put downward pressure on it. Um, so they give you that bottom, like, the floor of the local rate. There's a place I play weekly that I absolutely love and that, that pays me below my floor rate, really, but I, I keep my floor a little flexible. And I, the reason I'm bringing this venue up, I'm not going to name it by name, but uh, – the reason I bring this venue up is because it's close to an ideal situation for me. They book me every week, rain or shine, season or off season, and they pay a flat fee. Granted, again, this is below my floor rate, right? But I took the gig because the guy who I knew through somebody said, look, I know that I actually gave him my rate. And he said, ooh, I can't do that. The best I can do is this, which was below my floor rate. Um, I believe that every, that most other musicians, if they didn't argue, are being paid less than I am. Uh, because I pushed, which is, you know, we'll do another episode about negotiating your price. Um, but, you know, he said, I, I can't do your rate. I can do this. And I said, well, but he said, I assure you the tips here are absolutely insane and we'll make up for it. And I said, all right, I'll give it a chance. Like there's, this is an open slot in my schedule. I'll give it a chance. Let's do it. I hopped in and it was right after COVID. So I was reforming my, my schedule anyway. Hopped in. I did a few gigs and it was like, oh, guys, totally right. The tips are insane. This is like absolutely incredible. And so, I, I mean, I make, uh, in season, certainly, I, I actually have my record for most tips in a single gig there. I made $406 in tips there in a four-hour gig. So, I mean, that's insane. On top of the on top of the base rate, which is not nothing. You know, it's off-season now. It's uh, end of August is like the almost the very worst of off-season here. It's like hurricane season, and it's 100 degrees outside every day, and it's not where people want to be on vacation right now. Um. Middle of off season, it like rains a lot of times. This is on, out of the beach. Sometimes I'm playing to nobody, but they book me every single Sunday and they pay me my rate. Not my rate, but they pay their rate. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, it's a solid, stable gig. It pays me every damn week. Um, that's another, another ideal condition type of thing. If they're willing to pay you, and it's every single week, you can give them a little cut on the break too, you know, because it's like buying in bulk. You know, it's like how Costco can do it. It's like, man... You're saving me all this trouble having to book more gigs. You're saving me all this trouble having to fucking do more paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. And not only that, but when season comes around, the tips are absolutely insane. You know, so it's like, it's just a good gig. So it's got some ideal conditions on it. It's got some not ideal conditions on it in that they're not paying me my my rate that I wanted. 
I would much prefer right now, especially during off season when there's no tips, to be getting my full rate. But it, you know, can't always get what you want. Um, another thing that's a smaller deal is venue inclusions, which are like meals and drinks. That can be, you know, that's fine. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay it. It's really nice when a venue gives you a meal. Um, drinks, obviously, I don't drink anymore, so that doesn't matter to me. Um, and actually, it was a bit of an issue for me giving up because I'm a, I'm a pretty frugal guy. I like to to keep track of my money. Um, and I was feeling like I was just leaving money on the table when a bar bought me three drinks and I didn't drink them. You know, this is like part of the problem, a, a part of my problem when I was trying to quit is I was like, man, they're giving me free drinks. If I don't drink them, I'm leaving money on the table, which is kind of silly. <laughs> you know, if it's damaging you, even if it's free, who cares? Don't drink it anyway. But meals are great, especially like I'm on doubles on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, both of my gigs on on Sunday, the Sunday gigs are like a regular weekly, like double-barreled shotgun of gigs right there. Every Sunday is the same double every week, which is excellent. Every Saturday is the same first gig every week, and Saturday nights are kind of, they rotate. Um, but on those doubles, man, the fact that I get a free meal at both of those gigs it's it like almost makes it possible not possible but it makes it way more comfortable like I don't have to get up it's a brunch gig the first one the first one on Saturday and Sunday is brunch gigs and I don't have to get up at 830 and make sure I force breakfast and I hate eating early in the morning I, it makes me not like the fact that I get a meal means that I don't have to like feel like shit for four hours until I get off work then rush to a McDonald's then eat whatever I can get on the way and then you know, feel like shit more and then go to my next gig and try to live on four hours of McDonald's digestion. Mm. And I mean, I could eat at the place still and pay for it, but a lot of times these restaurants, you know, I don't want to pay, spend 30 bucks at every gig to eat, you know? So, um, it's really nice when a venue gives you meals. It's, it's just nice. And a lot of times it's like an afterthought. They don't care. You, uh, a lot of times you can make the whole deal. Uh, oftentimes this is what I do. I don't even do it on purpose just because most venues do this. Mm-hmm. Most venues give you meals and drinks. Um, it's unusual for a venue not to. Sometimes yeah. they'll do half off, but even that is unusual, at least around here. Um, but uh, a lot of times you do it as an afterthought. You negotiate your whole pay, and then you're like, do you guys include a meal? And 99% of the time, like, yes, or let me ask and then say yes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's nice. Uh, it helps. And it's nice to, honestly, I don't spend as much on groceries as I would. I'm like, or eating out as I would. I get to eat out all the time, which is which is cool. Um, something to think about here. The reason why this is so like common is because their food costs are a lot lower generally than the price they they sell it for. Food costs are are, are pretty well. Food costs are one of the biggest expenses of a of a restaurant, but it's still it's less. It's like there for them it it might cost them. It just doesn't cost them that much to serve you a meal. It doesn't cost as much as you think. It's not you know. And if you like what you ate. Mention it. That's, and I was just getting to that. Yes. So one of the, one of the big reasons for them to feed you is be an ambassador. You can be an ambassador to their stuff. Um, Drinking at a gig, actually the fact that I don't do it can be kind of a, not a good thing because being able to be like, Hey, cheers, everyone. Thanks. Grab a drink. Sometimes people want to buy me drinks and I would like to be able to say, yeah. And I actually do. I kind of, sometimes I will talk to a bar and be like, I don't drink alcohol. If somebody wants to buy me a drink, make me, a hey, seltzer with lime or something. Peter special. Right. Looks yeah. like a gin and tonic, but it's not. E- exactly right. Um, and or or, be, or you can be really honest. A lot of times I'll be really honest. I'm just like, I don't drink. I'll have a 
Red Bull or something, you know, don't drink Red Bulls too late, but, you know, something like, you know, saying you don't drink can make people feel weird, weird in bars. So be a little bit careful with that. There, there should be a whole episode on, on that, which you can skip if you're just a drinker. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Another ideal um, condition for a venue is that it's financially stable, uh, that the paycheck, ca- uh, that the check cashes, <laughs> that the check deposits, that doesn't bounce. And they don't come at you with sob stories like we're we're going under. Um, this gig that I play that has musicians every single day of the week, they don't have a fucking problem paying musicians. The checks go through. The checks clear every single time. They've got the money to do this. They're not going to nickel and dime you. They're not going to look at you sideways when the crowd's slow um, because they have the money. And they know that what they're doing is like paying for nice furniture or something or nice lighting or nice artwork in their, in the sta- in their establishment or a top notch chef. What they, they understand that what they're paying for needs to be in place all the time and they have the money to keep it in place. That's important. Um, I've had, I've had gigs where the checks don't clear and you got to hound the person for the money and it's just like, don't, don't do it. It's a red flag. That. You don't need that gig. Uh, yeah. Uh, are there some ways to kind of flesh that out? Yeah, you can talk to uh, brand new restaurants can be like that. I mean, in the bad way. Um, but they can also be the opposite. I mean, if they're like well-funded restaurants, they can be just the opposite. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, I'd say as a general rule, new restaurants, I wouldn't like immediately go to a new restaurant and be like, hey, do you guys want live music? It's better to be in places where they already have live music, where they know the value of it and they keep it, and you know they keep it all year mm-hmm. would be good. Um, talk to the musicians who work there. You can find out, follow the Instagram pages of these venues um, and look at the musicians who play there and then follow their Instagrams and make friends with them. And this is something you should be doing in any community that you're in if you're trying to be a musician. You need to be making friends with other musicians and other people who are doing this this work. Um, I'm going to go off on a tiny little tangent here. Making friends with other musicians is the best way to start getting gigs. I have too, like I said, I have too many gigs. I can't take every gig. Um, if I knew more good musicians who were free and didn't have work right now, they would be getting phone calls. I call my friends all the time and I say, Hey, can you pick up this gig? And they say, Nope, 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 Nope. I get like six no's when I go ask if someone can cover a gig for me. So make friends with me. You know what I mean? In your town. Find me in your town and make friends with him and just be nice. If you're lucky enough. And go, oh, thank you. You know, just go go and go out to these gigs and tip the fucking musician and talk to him in the break and say, hey, I do this. Um, would love to chat with you. If you ever need a sub for gigs, I mean, there are ways to approach people like this. And if somebody came up to me like that and said, hey, you're really great. Uh, I'm sure that you run into people who claim to be musicians a lot, but I promise I'm good. Let's connect, and I'd love to do some sub work for you if you have more work than you can handle. I'd be like, fuck, dude, where have you been? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're just going to allow me to take a day off when I need it. Yep. It's going to allow me to go to my sister's baby's christening. My, it's a niece is what that's called. My niece's christening. You know, like, I, I've i got a, actually a new guy in my life who's like this. He's kind of new to the area. He's a good, he's a piano player, and he's a singer, and he does my job, basically. And he actually came out of the blue and was like, hey, 
can I hook you up with this gig? And I was like, yes, you can. Um, thank you. I also have gigs. What's your schedule like? And he's like, it's pretty open. So the dude's covering shit for me. It's fucking awesome. Sweet. Yeah. And he's, you know, and I've got another guy who's kind of popping into my life soon here. It looks like who has shown up at a couple gigs, has tipped me, has made friends with me. And he's a nice kid. And he's just like, I'm good. Um, I can do this. I would like to do this. And like, how do you do this? How do you get started with this? And I was like, it's funny you should ask. I'm creating a course about this exact thing. So he'll actually probably be on the podcast wait, at some wait. point. You're doing what? That's the first time it's been mentioned. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, we're it's making a course called... I didn't know that, huh? Uh-huh. All right, well, there's the big reveal. We're making a course called The Mercenary Musician. Um, get on our email list and we'll keep you keep you apprised of that and we'll we'll help you more directly get going here. Uh, we do have a free quick start guide though that we want to yep. want to get you on for free, baby. Just kind of a few little points to hit. Um, there's tons of information on this podcast, obviously that you can sift through, but this quick start guide will be a little more pointed of an effort at getting you the first bricks laid down on the ground to get yep. this, get the yep. basis going for this. Yep. So yeah, I don't know if you guys can tell, but we're, uh, you know, Full transparency with you guys. I want just want you to know what we're doing here. We're doing a podcast for you, faux free. We're putting out a free quick start guide. I am going to show you just like the very foundation of this stuff, and then we're going to try to sell you a course. <laughs> mercenaries, baby. It's a theme. It's a theme. We're trying to make that money. We're trying to make you mercenaries. That's right. We're all going to be mercenaries together. We're all going to be filthy rich. I'll, in closing. Not guaranteed. Let's go over some red flags. Now, I know we, we discussed uh, in relation to the venue when, you, when you're dealing with a manager or booking agent and they expect you to bring a crowd. That's one. Yeah, that's a big, big um, one. Or for and they say, hey, what's your following like? Just leave. Yeah. Or financially secure, as we just touched on. But are there other red flags that you can kind of see or better help determine whether or not it's the right gig for you or the right region? Yeah, there's a... The, the type of manager, they're, they're just more things. Most of the red flags are going to probably come out of the manager's mouth or the guy who's booking you's mouth. Um, <clears throat> stuff like like what we kind of talked about where uh, what's your following like is a big red flag. Um, talking bad about other musicians they've worked with before. Ooh, I, had, good one. I had one particular that's a real good venue one. I sat down with and they were like, yeah, most musicians want this and that and this and that and they want this and that and then they don't bring anybody out and I'm like yeah I'm like that <laughs> I want this and that and this and that and I won't bring anybody out so bye you know what I mean <laughs> um, you know it's just just yeah talking down about other musicians um, is usually not good uh, even if, if somebody has something not nice to say about a former musician I have a few gigs that are like that where people the people who book me are like man you're a lot better than this last person you know, I, they'll even be nice about that. They'll just say, she was a really nice lady and she was good at what she was doing, but it was just like really too too slow. Mm -hmm. They won't even say boring. Like, it was just kind of too slow for the feel, you know, that type of thing. It, a good booking agent usually will even be nice about that. They're not going to be like, fucking musician was such a piece of shit. I, I mean, I mean yeah. it's, it's possible that the person was a piece of shit. I'm not saying all musicians are not pieces of shit, but... <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's just like... It's bad optics. Out, it's bad optics. Just look out for that type of thing. I had a, a manager once who said something like, I don't see the difference in the numbers when you guys are here and when you're not here. This was a duo I was in. And that's a red flag. That's him not understanding what the fuck is going on. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, it should, to some extent, 
affect the numbers in a big picture. But like we had not been playing here for more than a month. It was like he was expecting us to show up and the numbers be different that night. And that's just not what we're doing here. That So that's just any kind of comment that reveals that this person doesn't understand what is going on um, is a red flag. And I don't mean you should just quit necessarily. You might be in a position where you should just take as much money as you can out of it. Um, or I, I hope that we'll be able to arm you with some knowledge that will let you kind of talk your way into a manager understanding this stuff better. Um, say, you know, well, that's, you know, the fact that it's not affecting the numbers all is not necessarily a sign that this isn't working, just so you know. I mean, I'm just, you know, kind of just improvising as if I were talking to a manager here who does not get it. Um, so, you know, just the fact that we're, we're not seeing a difference in the numbers week to week is not necessarily a sign that this isn't working. There could be a lot of other factors that are causing the numbers to be the same. Maybe this would have, I mean, first of all, maybe this would have been a, a worse night if we hadn't been here. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it would have been a downturn in the numbers and the numbers looking like they haven't changed. I mean, don't get too sciencey with bar managers, but, um, <laughs> you know, it could be that it is working and that it's not properly reflected in the numbers because it's not going to be a straight line up. But it could also be that this is more of a long-term thing where people are going to talk about the fact that there is just generally live music here and come here more. They might come here on another day more. They might come here when there's no music on a Monday afternoon because now they know the place and they think it's cool yep. that you have music. You I know? prefer to go out earlier in the week because it's it's dead. You yeah. get the place to yourself. Yeah, and you like there's a place uh, there's a place locally that does live music. It's like kind of part of its shit. It's got a stage in the place. It's kind of part of the game for it. And would you say that you go there more when there's not music even than you would if it weren't a place that you went to see music? Confusingly phrased question. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but like, would, you go sometimes when there's not music, right? I do. You know? I do. And I've, would you ever go there if there weren't live music if you hadn't kind of discovered it through music? Probably not. So there you go. Probably that's, not. And that's an anecdotal, So here's the th- you know, anecdotal and kind of noncommittal Me- story there, but... Still, you know, that's kind of the idea that I'm going for here. Personally, I'm willing to drive further distance to catch a live show than I am just to go to a bar. Yes. Because I know at the end of the day, I don't want to be behind the wheel after having a couple. Yeah. Um, and when you go to a show, it's an experience. When you go to a bar, it's just another night. Yeah, you're out drinking. You know? So that's, that's an interesting kind of way to think about this. Putting live music, being known as a place that has live music, it increases it your... you out. And this is side, yeah. Yeah, well this is a, this is actually kind of a comment that's directed at bar managers. This having live music in your establishment is a place that expands your radius of influence. Like like Chad just mentioned, he'll drive further to get to your place if it has music. So it opens you up to another another uh sector of crowd that wouldn't drive to your place just to have drinks on a, on a random night, but since there's music, they will. It's a huge incentive for customers to yeah. have live music. And for certain customers, it's a massive... Ins- for certain customers, other bars in the area, if they're not having live music and one is, they can all go fuck themselves and they're going to the one with music. Like, that, and that's for, for a lot of customers, it's that's the case. Having live music at your venue is going to allow you to track non-drinkers, which is not the case when you don't have it. That's true. People are just going to watch the game from home. They don't need to be in the environment surrounded by a bunch of drunks. That's right. Right? But if you and, have live music, people are coming to see... Whoever it is that's playing, the a, artist, the band. A lot of times, yeah. And, you know, people, even like DDs, designated drivers have a lot of control over where the fucking car goes, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you're a designated driver and you're like, I don't want to sit around and watch y'all drink, 
I would rather go to a show. Yeah. You know, um, then they'll, that's where the car's going <laughs> a lot of times, you know? Absolutely. So like there's, it's just, it, it really, for, for certain, for certain restaurants, it makes really great sense to have live music. Ooh, I've got another ideal condition for a venue actually. So my brunch gig is situated in a mall. Um, and it, I think is maybe the perfect location for what I do. What kind um, of mall? With the, it's a, it's like an outdoor mall. It's a, it's a, called Mercado in Naples is the name of the mall. Okay. And I play actually at the mall. That's how I got this gig. I was playing, I was hired by the mall to play. Um, and I went and played there and a shop in the mall, a restaurant in the mall had a manager that was looking for live music, heard me and was like, Ooh, I got to get this guy's business card, which you should have. Um, grab my business card. They called me and they booked me regularly. Um, and I, I love this gig. It's, uh, even in off season I do, it's an outdoor gig. So it is a hundred degrees outside sometimes. And it's can be pretty slow in off season, but they pay me through off season because they know they're, they're going to have a hard time getting me back if they let me go part, as part, part of the reason because of the swell and demand thing we talked about with tourist area thing. When things pick back up, they're going to want me there and they're going to want me there every week. Like they have me. Um, so the thing that makes this gig so ideal though, um, is that it's in a mall, an outdoor mall and it's located very close to like a main thoroughfare walking thoroughfare. So there are people cruising by all the time and I'm outside and they, they have some specials while I'm there, which is a smart idea as well. And I'm on the mic there, even if I weren't playing music and I, I weren't doing anything, just sitting there like chatting on a microphone and saying, Hey everybody, we've got bottomless mimosas, the bloody Mary bar and a full brunch menu in here. Come on in. Come on everybody. Come on in. Yeah. And we like a carnival barker to some extent, but you're there drawing attention to people walking by. You got a crowd, people walk right in and managers can, the the thing that makes this so great is a, it gives you kind of a crowd is going to show up if there are people out there. Yeah. B, the manager can fucking see what's happening. Yeah. You can just stand right there and watch this guy pull people in off the, off the thoroughfare. It's free marketing. I'm never free. I'm like additional marketing. I would be shocked if I ever lose this gig because of that, Mm -hmm. because of how perfectly situated it is. For me to like, and this is one of those cases, one of the, I'd say rare cases where the manager has actually told me, he's like, I can see the difference in the numbers. It's like immediately clear. You put music on, the numbers have changed. And that's awesome. That That's job security right there. And we discussed this later on uh, in an episode uh, about audience and crowds. And we delve a little bit deeper into it and kind of give you um, some ideas as to how you can do that for the venue and also for the location that you're at. So if it's, you know, in your coastal town, there's a lot of historical stuff there. We in that episode we delve into how you can kind of familiarize yourself and become a tour guide almost. Mm. So that's uh, that's going to be in chapter thirteen. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, so about- yeah, I just want to I don't want to hit that bullet point one more time so it's clear. An ideal condition for a venue would be next to a lot of foot traffic that can be whose interest you can pique. Yeah, we have a lot of strip um, malls here, and Florida, that's that's why even in the malls. fucking dead of summer, I'm not playing inside. This place has a large in- air conditioned room. Um, but I'm still playing outside when it's remotely tolerable. Even if nobody sits outside with me, I'm outside with the with the speaker, and I'm like, "Hey guys, come on in. We mm-hmm. got this special." And a lot of times, I'll stand up after my break. I'll walk inside. The outdoors dead. It's me and the bartender out there. I walk inside, and it's just bumping. And I'm not saying it's all me, but people know that there's bottomless mimosas because I'm out there saying yep. bottomless mimosas on a microphone over and over again. Yeah. Um, and they can still hear me inside. I leave the door open so I can get blasted with AC too. At the manager's request, they said that I could do that. 
Um, and so they can hear me. People sometimes come out from inside and tip me, which is very nice. You've had a couple of those gigs. I remember you had the old one at uh, the Fort Myers BT. Yes. It's kind of the same setup outdoors, but it was kind of open as well. Yeah, one of my longest gigs was down on, uh, down on Fort Myers Beach, and I was out, outside. It was great. It was great. A lot of people walking around, a lot of tourists walking around, seeing live music on its big patio, and it's yeah. just people walk right up to it. If, they, if they're looking for it, that's where they go. Um, so that's a, that's a good one. Sorry, you were saying something. I, oh, I just, interrupted you. Just your uh, old gig at Bell Tower. At, um, your brunch gig you used to have there, very similar to what you have at Mercado now. Yeah, that was a great gig, man. Yeah, they they really fucked that up. Gig. That's a we'll uh we got a cautionary tale for for bar managers. Not that this podcast is tailored for bar managers, but it, it's cautionary tale for musicians too. Just something to be aware of. Uh, it's a it's just a horror story. Not a horror story, but it's a story about managers not knowing what the fuck they were doing, not knowing exactly what the fuck it was we were doing, not understanding what was working, and they just shot themselves right in the foot and us at the same time. <laughs> well, we, it was a duo gig and it was, it was one of our better ones. Um, and they, long story short, they fired us and hired a cheaper act. And it was like, it was probably like almost free. It was like, it was like a brand new girl who had like just kind of started, played piano and sang and, you know, just, they, they were just like, oh my God, 50 bucks, cool. And it's an example of somebody kind of not knowing what they're doing, under undercutting somebody by accident, and it was not understanding what they're what they could mistake. be worth, and it was a catastrophic mistake for the brunch. I mean, the, it killed the brunch. Well, there are people coming the there business, every week to see us. That business, business was gone. around for over over a decade, decade and a half, and it is no longer in existence. Well, that's interesting. I'm not going to take full credit for that, but we the brunch definitely fell way the fuck through after yeah. we left. The people like the very next week, it was like the people were like, "Where where'd our dudes go?" Yeah, I mean, and, it uh, was. They just Centrally never located in the middle of, of the town at it was like the only thing that this mall really had going on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it was great. It was it a was, draw. It was great. I mean, it was it was underpaying for 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 modern day Peter. I would be like, no, thank you. Oh yeah, that but was, it was a duo. It was a duo gig too. Yeah, we'll talk about why that's not. But ideal. that I'm glad we brought that up because that's another thing that we didn't really mention as a red flag, and that's when when you get multiple double bookings from the same bar. And yeah, it, it yeah. probably isn't as common, but it's definitely something that happens, and that's taking away potential money you could have made. Yeah, so I, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a script for being double booked, especially if you're not set up first. Um, typically, the guy who's set up first should keep the gig. I would say, if 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 you're correct that you've double booked and it's not his mistake, if he's just mistaken and he didn't and he was, oh, I'm here on the wrong day then he needs to get the fuck off the stage and give you back your gig. But if you actually have been double booked, a lot of times, whoever's set up for us is just like, I'm not going to have you break down so I can get out. I'm like, what's my... Uh, it's a good good case for showing up to gigs early, especially if you suspect somebody might have fucked something up. But um, another thing is if a full band is there, three people have called off work or whatever they, they do to get to this gig and you're a solo guy. I had this happen recently. They had double booked a band and a solo act. And I'm like, I'm not going to fucking send three guys home so I can do my solo act. Yeah. That's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Uh, that that gig ended up getting rained out anyway, um, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. What I do is I text the person. I say, "Look, this has been double booked. Ninety nine percent of the time, they'll acknowledge that it was their mistake. If it was, which you should have everything in text. Mm-hmm. You should make sure Document you have everything. your gigs booked through text as well. If you have a phone call, that's fine. Text them." To confirm, and mm-hmm. they have them saying yes in a text. Yeah, you want everything on paper. Or, yeah, or, exactly. You, know, you should be able form. to take a screenshot and be like, look, you did book me, and look, this guy has a screenshot too. You did book him. 
Uh, anyway, so I just I say, okay, I'm not setting up. You can pay me half, and I'll go home. It's Friday night. I have to get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, instead of two fifty, you can give me one twenty five. Mail it to this address. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure working with you. Yeah. And uh, like a hundred percent of the time, they'll say yes to that. Should be. And if they say no to that, then there's, I, I wouldn't work with them anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say you they know can't. They can't away. steal your Friday night away, and just say I. I think you're just gonna have to go fuck yourself. Actually, and that comes back to knowing your value. Yeah. So yes, multiple double bookings from the same spot can be a red flag, but there are ways to combat that. There are ways to combat it, and also there there are things that can make up for it. Like I don't want to say just like you should just cut ties with anybody who does any of these things. Um, like like this particular gig that I'm talking about, I love playing there. The tips are again like insane. It's it's actually outside at the same mall. A different venue. Um, picked me up within the same mall. This I mean this tells you something about the region. And it's specific, specifically that mall. A lot of demand for live music. And somebody finds a good one, they want to book you. Um, so I played another place in the same mall, and the tips, um, it's an outdoor thing. The tips are amazing. Like, there's like you draw a crowd from all around. It's so much fun um, as far as cover gigs go. And people get into it, and they just tip and tip and tip and tip and tip. Mm-hmm. There's so many people, and the 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 place pays me well. And, you know, it's just a great gig. I love it. Is that a brunch gig as well? Um, no. No, it's an evening gig. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, in conclusion, a couple of things we went over today. Talking about the city, the region, and the venue. And the ideal conditions for them. And uh, some red flags when you're dealing with booking agents and or bar managers or just venue managers. And uh, we will have some course notes for you, uh, including, what, I think, I believe we're going to put Keith's information in there. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, let's do a little shout out to Keith. I'm going to ask him if that's okay. If not, then we can yeah, keep up edit it out. But and Keith, Keith Klug, yeah, he's great. If you're in Atlanta, check him out. We'll have our email addresses up there as well because we want your email addresses. Yes. Give us your email addresses. <laughs> yeah. We want we to be sell in you stuff. You. This is the Not time just sell you stuff. We're going to give you a lot of free stuff. Yep. We're going to communicate. We're we wide open. We want to know what you're experiencing. Where are you? I want to know all about it. I want to also, while, we're talk- while we were talking about Keith, I would like to have people like that on the podcast. I want to hear what his actual kind of story is. And maybe we'll, we'll do that as like a little mini series. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Tight. Cool. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Be safe.